Hey boys and girls, welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind. It's Monty's Rockcast. And now here's your host, Monty Calvin. Hey, 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 it's Monty. Welcome to the Rock Cast. This is explosive! So glad you could join me for this brand new episode, but it's not just any episode. It's a very special episode. Why is it special? Well, I'll tell you. It's become an annual tradition for about the last 10 years. And, of course, I am talking about the top ten playoffs. Uh, Playoffs? That's right. Playoffs? Back in the beginning when I started doing these podcasts, I would read my top ten lists. And one day I just said, uh, hey, if you want to send me one of yours, go ahead. Well, to my complete surprise, uh, people actually did it. And I ended up getting so many that I finally said, you know, maybe I should have a contest and pick the best one. And so that's what I did, and every year around March, I pick a top 10 champion. And much like March Madness, where they have a tournament with brackets, well, so do I. Except instead of making you wait through an entire field of 64, I go ahead and narrow it down to an Elite 8. This is the cream of the crop. And I don't have a lot of rules. I pick the winner, and uh, sometimes there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to uh, why I pick who I pick. But I will tell you this. Most of it has to do with originality. I like lists that make me think and give me a lot to talk about. And hopefully it's something that I haven't heard before. And so if you sent me a list of your top 10 favorite albums, I'm sorry, but you're probably not going to win. That's not fair. So those are the ground rules, but uh, let's get it started with bracket number one. And our first contestant is Robert White with his favorite albums from the 70s. What the hell? All right, all right. I know I just said that top 10 albums probably wouldn't win. But Robert's list was mostly made up of some of my favorite bands and albums of all time. And it included Wishbone Ash, No Smoke Without Fire. And Robert says that Lori Wisefield is one of his favorite guitar players. And he got major points for that because I love Lori Wisefield. And in case you don't know, Lori Wisefield is not a chick, it's a dude. She's just great. He also had Judas Priest, Sad Wings of Destiny, Blue Oyster Cult, Secret Treaties, and Rainbow Rising. However, Robert will be facing off against a very tough competitor in Scott Gibson, who comes in with his top 10 popular trends he wishes would die. Sounds great. Scott's list included things like organic foods, political correctness getting out of control, and self-driving cars. Well, I'll tell you, I really love that list because, uh, you know, I like to complain and I like to hear others complain. But I also loved Robert's list because a lot of those uh, choices reminded me of when I was in high school and I was learning how to play guitar. And Robert had Strangers in the Night by UFO on his list, and that is one of my favorite albums of all time. So I'm going to have to give it to Robert, and Robert moves on. 
Because, you know, I'm a sucker for UFO and Michael Schinker. Bracket number two with his first submission ever. With a list of foods that he hates, it's my 12-year-old stepson, Draven. I find this fishy. And yes, I know what you're going to say, but this is completely within the rules because the rules clearly state that there is no age limit. Oh, Okay. All right, so now that that's cleared up, uh, Draven's list had a lot of good stuff on it. For instance, number 10 was condiments because they look gross and I don't want to eat liquids in my food. Absolutely not. He also had tomatoes because they taste like butt. I'm sure they do. And wontons because he really hates cream cheese. It makes me want to throw up. Facing off against Draven is Jeff Moore with his top 10 songs that should never be played again by anyone, ever. And his list went like this. Number 10, Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett. Number 9, The Scorpions with Rock You Like a Hurricane. Number 8, Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue. Number seven, Jump by Van Halen. Jeff says he's over it. Yeah! Number six, Once Bitten, Twice Shy. Uh, yeah. No! Uh, number five is Anything by Loverboy. Number four is Stairway to Heaven. And Jeff says, great song the first 83,000 times I heard it. Well, yeah, I'd have to agree, Jeff, uh, even though I've only heard it 82,000 times. I kind of stopped counting after that. And I'm sick of it! Number three is Shook Me All Night Long. Number two is Anything by Poison. And Jeff says they are the lover boy of hair metal. I believe that's very valid. And at number one on Jeff's list of songs that should never be played again by anyone ever, it's Pour Some Sugar On Me. And Jeff says, what the hell happened to Def Leppard after Pyromania? Oh, I know, Jeff. It's like they completely changed their sound. Take a bottle, shake it up. Bring the bubble, break it up. Pour some sugar on me. In the name of love, pour some sugar on me. Come on, fire me up. Pour your sugar on me. Sweet from my head to my feet, yeah. 
I, I love that. Well, those are just two terrific lists, but uh, there can only be one winner in this bracket. And they were both quite hateful, and I love that. Jeff hating those songs and Draven hating food. But the person moving on, and I hope you understand, Jeff, but it's going to be my stepson, Draven, with a list of food that he refuses to eat. It's all rigged. All right. Congratulations to the boy. Somebody's got to call shenanigans on this. All right. Now for bracket number three. We've got Gary in Baltimore going up against Stephen Hines in Ohio. And Stephen's list was top 10 things that baffle him about conservatives. And I won't go into everything that he had on his list, but I will say I didn't really agree with much of it. But I found it very interesting. I thought it was well thought out and uh, gave me a lot to talk about. And it was a great list. Unfortunately, Gary in Baltimore also had a good list, which was uh, top 10 reasons why Monty Colvin is cooler than you. And he had things on there like he wears badass leather Chuck Taylors. And he's an incredibly handsome man. I mean, uh, it must be true. How else could he get such a hot wife? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm sorry, Stephen. Gary in Baltimore moves on. Oh, boy. How about that? The final two contestants in the first round of the top 10 playoffs are Paul Engel and Scott McAleer. Scott's list was actually kind of original. It was the top 10 t-shirts that are in his closet. And if by some chance that Scott had a reality show, he would go into that closet and pick out one of those t-shirts and wear it on the show. And what were some of the t-shirts hanging in Scott's closet, you may ask? Well, he has a Chicago Cubs World Series Champions t-shirt. How amazing that is. Or how about his Bob Ross Painting the Universe t-shirt? Unbelievable! But of course, Scott's number one had to be his Monty's Rockcast t-shirt, and he got some extra points for that. I'm just mind-boggled. Now, Scott's opponent, Paul Angle, actually had a cool list. It was top ten concerts that were memorable, but for reasons other than music. And there were things on there like the time he went to see Eric Johnson play, but the traffic was so bad that by the time he got there, Eric Johnson was done. And my personal favorite was that uh, Paul went to a music festival back in the day, and uh, it was the first time he'd ever seen people in person having sex. Ew! And to make things even worse, they were Motorhead fans. So you can uh, only imagine the trauma that he must have experienced. In a word, disturbing as all hell. And so, you know, I like the t-shirt idea, Scott. That was cool. But it really does not compare to live outdoor sex at a Motorhead concert. Hell yeah. So Paul Angle is going to be the winner of this matchup. Congratulations, Paul. And I apologize if there were any children listening. I am very, very, very disgusted. So that concludes the first round, and I will get to the final four momentarily. 
But first, I want to answer some listener emails. And I've got several questions here from Steve Elliott. And Steve starts out by saying, I absolutely love the harmonies on your crunchy Loserville album, especially the song Hard Goodbyes. You did a great job on that album blending your vocals together. I'm serious. I love that album so much. Does your wife Lindsay have a favorite crunchy song? Well, thanks, Steve. I appreciate you saying that. And it's funny you should mention Hard Goodbyes because the other day I did ask Lindsay, hey, what's your favorite crunchy song? And she said, "Uh, it's probably one of those ballads on there. And I said, "Uh, you mean Hard Goodbyes? And she goes, yeah, that's the one. And, you know, I too like the way the vocals turned out on that song. I did all the harmony parts on there, and I'm still pretty proud of it. So that's Hard Goodbyes off the Crunchy Loserville album. And if you don't have that, you can order that off MontyColvin.net. You're not selling them. You're giving them away, right? Steve Elliott also wanted to know if Lindsay had a favorite Galactic Cowboys song from before the most recent album. And the answer to that is I don't think so. She had barely even heard of Galactic Cowboys before I met her. 
And so really all she's uh, heard mainly was just when I play live with the Cowboys. But she did hear the new album and her favorite song was Long Way Back to the Moon. But that was mainly just because I sang it. She likes my voice. I, I, I just, I can't stand it. Steve's next question is, what is your favorite Iron Maiden song and album? Okay, well for me, it's between two albums, uh, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son and Somewhere in Time. And I would probably go with Seventh Son. I just love that album. As far as the favorite song, it'd probably be between uh, Wasted Years, uh, The Clairvoyant, and Moonchild. And if I was forced to choose between those at gunpoint, I'm going to go with Moonchild. That song totally kicks ass. had another question related to Iron Maiden. He says, who do you like better, Dave Murray or Adrian Smith? Well, between those two Maiden guitarists, I would probably go with uh, Adrian Smith. And that's mainly just because his lead solo in Wasted Years is one of my favorite leads of all time. But the thing is, Steve, that uh, you may have forgotten is there is a third guitarist in Iron Maiden. And what I'm going to say next is probably really going to offend some people, but Yannick Gers is actually my favorite guitar player in Iron Maiden. Are you shitting me? Yeah, yeah, I said it, and I know a lot of people criticize him for the way he moves on stage, but that's what I love about him. He is so fun to watch, throwing his guitar all over the place. Uh, He's great. It's so silly. Steve also had this question about Galactic Cowboys. He says, are you guys bound in any way to the label that released Long Way Back to the Moon? And has there been any talk or anything whatsoever about another GC album, given the way they handled the last one? Well, Steve, I don't really want to say anything about that label or our contract with them, but there has not been any discussion about a new album from them or us. However, the four of us in the band have actually talked a little bit about doing a couple of shows sometime this year, so stay tuned for that. Don't hold your breath. All right, continuing on now with the top ten playoffs. Wow. It's down to the final four, and in the first semifinal matchup, we've got Gary in Baltimore going up against Paul Angle. Paul's was a list of his worst concert memories, which included uh, a show with Motley Crue, King's X, and Typo Negative. And Paul says, we were there to see King's X, and we spent Motley Crue's entire set making fun of them. 
However, we finally realized the old people behind us were giving us the stink eye because they were the family of Mick Mars. Uh-oh! However, at number one on Paul's list, it was Dream Theater and the Galactic Cowboys in Indianapolis. The air conditioning in the venue was broken, so it was 300 degrees inside. Thank you for exaggerating. Yeah, I'm not sure how hot it was in there that night, but uh, I remember that show quite well because it was absolutely sweltering. And to give you an idea how miserable it was, uh, I actually took my shirt off. What the hell are you... No! Yeah. No! No! Yeah, it happened, and uh, there I was on stage with my bare chest exposed. There's no reason for that. And the thing is, is that uh, when I watch a band, I don't want to see musicians without their shirts off, because I just think it looks douchey. And unless you're Henry Rollins or maybe those hot chicks from the Butcher Babies, I don't need to see that. So I've always tried to keep my shirt on uh, for fear that I might look like that guy from Maroon 5 at the halftime of the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think we all saw that and felt the same way about that guy. What an absolute arrogant douchebag. So that was an excellent list, but Gary in Baltimore also came in strong with the top 10 reasons why Monty Colvin is cooler than you. And besides thinking that I play a mean bass and I'm incredibly handsome, Gary also thinks I'm an excellent songwriter and I host the greatest podcast in the history of mankind. I honestly, I I think this is the worst. Well, this is a tough one. The winner advances on to the finals. The loser uh, goes home empty-handed. But when I take everything into consideration, like originality and its overall entertainment value, uh, I've got to go with Gary in Baltimore. Well, congratulations, Gary, Robin, Baltimore. You are in the finals. And to Paul Angle, don't feel bad, man. Your list was awesome. But for some reason, I just felt like uh, Gary's list of reasons why I'm cooler than everybody else uh, was just a little bit better. You wonder why. And that would leave us now with one more semifinal matchup between Robert White and my stepson, Draven. Draven's list of food that he hates included sweet and sour chicken because he doesn't like Chinese food. Well, yeah. Mushrooms because they are slippery and squishy and gross. That's disgusting. And of course, who could forget sauce because it's spicy. Unacceptable. Now, on the other hand, you have Robert White with a more traditional list of his top 10 favorite albums from the 70s. And it had great stuff on there like Blue Oyster Cult, Secret Treaties, Rainbow Rising, uh, Pat Travers Band Heat in the Street, Deep Purple, Come Taste the Band, and even had uh, Saturday Night Fever soundtrack at number one. And I just really love it when one of your guys' lists makes me think back to the 70s. It was just uh, such a great time for music. And uh, he also had on this list at number two, Thin Lizzy, Live and Dangerous. 
And I also had that album on vinyl, and uh, I would take it and put it on side one, and I'd play along with my guitar, and I learned all the riffs and most of the leads, and I would just keep flipping the albums over until I'd played through all four sides, and that's just such a great memory for me. However, sadly, I never got to see Thin Lizzy live. Never. And as I was reading Robert's list, he said, uh, I got to see Thin Lizzy live five times, twice with Gary Moore. And uh, I'll be honest, that just pissed me off. And so that being the case, uh, moving on to the finals is my 12-year-old son, Draven. So your top 10 champion is either going to be Draven or Gary in Baltimore. Who will win? Uh, Well, we'll find out later. Right now, uh, well, uh, let's listen to some Thin Lizzy. I'm going to answer a few more questions from you guys, and I got a few here from Stephen, Connecticut. And the first one is, hey, Monty, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a truck stop while on tour? Well, yeah, truck stops are a big part of your life when you're on tour. A lot of times if you're on a bus, you're spending so much on the bus that you don't want to spend money on hotels. A lot of times what we do is have the bus driver stop at a truck stop along the way to the show 
and we'd shower there. They have showers in those places. And then you'd have breakfast and then uh, get back on the bus and head to the gig. And then after the gig, you'd just take off on the road again. And nothing really sticks out in my mind as being incredibly weird. But I do remember something back in the 80s that kind of struck me as humorous. And it was when I was playing with this guy named Morgan Cryer. He was a Christian artist. And Alan Doss, David Von Olerking, and myself were his backup band. And we later went on to form The Awful Truth. But we played together in Morgan's band for a few months. And uh, while we were doing it, we made almost no money. I think he was paying each of us like six or seven hundred bucks a month. And Von Olerking had this gigantic pedal board. And he was always wanting to add to it, and a lot of times he would skip lunch or a meal or not even eat that day so he could save his per diem to buy a new pedal. And we were in a van at the time, and this one day we stopped at a truck stop, and we go in, and I think Alan ordered like a big burger and some fries, and I got the big jumbo shrimp basket. But then Von Olerking walks in, and on the counter, they have this little basket full of hard-boiled eggs. And he goes, I'm going to get a hard-boiled egg. And I was like, okay, Uh, assuming that, you know, he was going to get something else to go with it. But Alan and I go ahead, and we sit down at a booth and start eating. And I look across the restaurant, and there's Olerking sitting by himself across the room. And he's sitting there with this single hard-boiled egg in his hand, and he's eating it. And since this is a podcast, I can't really do my impersonation of Oler King eating a hard-boiled egg by himself. But trust me, if you could see it, uh, you'd think it was funny, and uh, it was a little weird. That, my friends, is a story. All right, let's see. Uh, Stephen Connecticut also had a second question. It was... What's the weirdest thing you've seen in the crowd while playing on stage? Well, one thing that always sticks out in my mind is uh, we were on tour opening for King's X. I think it was in 91. And almost always when we opened for them, we got really good crowd responses. Uh, Their fans seemed to get us and uh, really like what we do. And uh, they'd show their appreciation. And it was so nice because we had just come off a tour opening for Overkill. And a lot of their fans just hated us. And they'd flip us off and throw stuff at us. And I assume it was because they didn't think we were heavy enough. And they thought we were pussies because we had harmony vocals. That's right! But the King's X fans were a lot cooler to us. And the tour was going really well. But one night, I think we were in Nashville, and I'm up there playing, and all of a sudden, here comes this long-haired guy who looked like a total metalhead, and he gets right in front of me and flips me the bird. And I thought, oh, okay, another one of these guys. And so I just ignore him and keep playing, but uh, I happen to look over there again, and he looks me right in the eye and once again flips me the bird. And I'm starting to think, okay, dude, I get your point. You hate us. But he just kept doing it through our entire set, and by the end, I was just kind of annoyed. But I thought, well, whatever, you can't please everybody. Well, almost every night when King's X was on there playing, we'd go back out to the t-shirt table and stand around, and if somebody wanted to talk to us, we'd be glad to do it. Well, I'm walking around, hanging out, and all of a sudden, here comes that guy. And he gets right in my face, and he's like, Man, I just gotta tell you, you are awesome. 
And I'm like, what? Uh, you you liked us? And he's like, oh, man, you were so great. I just had to flip you off. And I was like, oh, so that was a good thing. And he's like, oh, hell yeah, man. You are badass. And I was like, oh, okay, well, thank you very much. It's the weirdest story of the day. So that's one of the weirder things that I can remember. But Stephen Connecticut had one more question for me. Hey, Monty, what are you listening to the most these days on your Walkman? Oh, well, yeah, you know, funny thing, Steve. My Walkman actually broke on me uh, back around 1988. But fortunately, for my birthday in 1989, Doug Pennock and Alan Doss went in together and bought me a Discman. And I used that for about 10 years, but then it broke. And so after that, I discovered the iPod, and I've had two or three of those, but now none of those work. Oh, oh, oh my God. God. Yeah, I know. It's sad. You're shit out of luck. Fortunately, I've still got my computer, and the thing I've been listening to most here lately is the new album from In Flames. Oh, oh, oh my God. God. That's right. I said In Flames. Who's that? It's called I the mask and I like it a lot. I love In Flames, and they've gotten more and more melodic over the years, and this new album has really grown on me. They're, of course, from Sweden, and their guitar player is a guy named Bjorn Jalot or something like that. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I know the guy is a musical genius. If you sit down with a set of headphones and listen to the guitar parts that are going on, it's amazing. But best of all, and most important, the guy has a really cool beard. I did not know that.
The finals of the top 10 playoffs is coming up in a minute. But first, I got an interesting question the other day on Facebook from Rockcast listener Jamie Roller. And so I thought I'd share it with you because it was pretty cool. Uh, Jamie said, hey, Monty, how's it going? What a great question. Well, that's funny you should ask, Jamie, because at the beginning of this episode, I was feeling pretty good. But somewhere between the first round of the top 10 playoffs and uh, that Thin Lizzy song, I must have fallen asleep underneath a ceiling fan. And when I woke up, my nose was plugged and I had all kinds of congestion. So forgive my nasally sounding voice, but uh, I will continue on because nothing stops me. You sound like you don't have a head cold at all. But to answer your question, uh, well, you know, uh, something that happened recently was, uh, you know, I've been having trouble with my internet and uh, cable TV for about a year now. And so we decided to drop AT&T and go with Google Fiber. And it took them about two months to install because they had to run a line through our yard. And they had to run stuff through our ceiling and outside of the house and all this. But the other day, they finally come back. And they got here about noon, and they didn't leave until 7 o'clock. And after seven hours, I'm still looking at the picture on my TV, and it's just all pixelated and screwed up, and I'm like, what's going on here? And we had literally four technicians inside of our house at the same time, and the head guy finally proclaims, uh, you know, I don't know. I've been doing this for years, and I've never seen anything like this. This has never happened before. This is one in a million. And I looked at him and I said, Sir, you do not know who you're dealing with here. And he said, What? And I said, Sir, do you know who I am? And he said, No. And I said, My name is Monty Colvin. And if you knew anything about me or listened to my podcast, you would know that this whole thing here makes perfect sense. I have very little luck in this life, okay? And there is a simple explanation to why you've been in my house for seven hours and I still can't get basic cable installed. Because it's me. (laughs) Yeah. And as they were leaving, they said, uh, well, we'll get back with you. But in the meantime, try to enjoy watching that NCAA tournament that you can barely see through all the pixelated interference. Ah! So, yeah, I'm still having uh, problems with the cable. Uh, The internet is better, though, and we're able to watch Netflix. And last night, Lindsay and I laid in bed and watched the Motley Crue movie, The Dirt. And I gotta say, you know, overall, I thought it was pretty good. Nothing really surprised me. I pretty much knew everything that was going to happen already. But it kept my interest through the whole thing. And the true test was, uh, will I fall asleep? And no, I did not. It's a miracle! I mean, movies like this that are about bands almost always have uh, some cheesy parts. And yes, there was a couple and there was a few scenes where the acting wasn't great. For instance, uh, that part where they're in a restaurant and they're trying to get Vince to come back to the band and he starts crying and it's supposed to be all emotional and I was just thinking, uh, yeah, not, uh, not great acting right there. Bad stuff. But for the most part, I just ignored all that and just enjoyed the movie. After all, how many of these movies about hard rock and metal bands are we going to get in our lifetime? Hardly any. 
Hopefully this will be a big hit for Netflix and uh, it'll start happening more frequently. So I'll give it a thumbs up and I'll also give it four out of five bloody metal skulls. Because seeing Nikki Six do heroin and Ozzy snort ants up his nose is what I call entertainment. It was a joy to watch. Let's see, what else have I been doing? Uh, Well, you know, uh, almost every day I go on Facebook and scroll through the news feed. And sometimes there's some pretty cool stuff. Like the other day I saw this video on there of Joe Bonamassa. And he was just sitting in a dressing room playing his guitar. And I'll be honest, when I've seen his live shows where he's playing blues, I'm just kind of bored. But I thought, well, I'll check this video out and see what it is. And he starts shredding, and I mean, it's like metal. And I was suddenly like, wow, Joe Bonamassa is awesome. So stuff like that is really cool. Now, on the other hand, what is not really cool is when people have to go on there and post pictures and say, hey, I just wanted to show you my incision. Yeah. To which I say, no, no, you did not. That was really not necessary at all, and I just do not care to see your stitches or your open wounds. So perhaps just go back to showing me pictures of what you had for lunch. Or a better idea yet is if you're on Facebook and you want to get a hold of me, you can do so. Especially if you're interested in buying one of my paintings. Which, by the way, have I mentioned that I have a new website, MontyColvinArt.com? I'll admit I've never heard of that website. It's been up for about a month now and I'm really excited about it and uh, I hope you'll check it out. I'll admit I hadn't heard about this. I do paintings of rock stars, celebrities, and athletes, and they make great gifts, and people really dig them. I did one of Ginger Wildheart recently, and I sent a picture of it to him, and he said, Monty, that is amazing. I'll admit I've never heard of the guy. I also got commissioned by Jay Turner to do a Michael Anthony uh, Van Halen era painting, and that turned out great. Dave Moore in Albuquerque bought a Frank Zappa painting. Eric Malmstrom bought an Ace Freely, and Stephen Disney bought the Doug Pennock that I did. I know a lot of people really liked that one, but uh, I put it up on the site and it was gone two hours later. And so if I post something and you like it, you better jump on it. I'm just saying. These are one of a kind and I work my ass off on them. And I really appreciate everybody that's uh, helped support my art. But that's kind of how it's been going. But it is time now for the finals of the top 10 playoffs. This is what you've been waiting for. That's right. Finally, it's here. Gary Robin Baltimore made it here with his list of 10 reasons why Monty Colvin is cooler than you. And on that list, there were things like he's got pretty cool hair, especially for an old dude. Absolutely beautiful. Also on his top 10, he had, he will invite a fan who otherwise is a total stranger to come to his house. Then take them for tacos, and as a bonus, he throws in a quick stop at Walmart on the way back. Isn't that insane? Well, obviously a great list, but Gary's opponent in the finals is a tough matchup, because it's my stepson, Draven. Though he is only 12 years old, Draven was able to compose a list of foods that he hates, and it was epic. And it included things like lettuce, because it feels weird and it tastes like grass. It's just so icky. 
sushi because he doesn't like fish. It's sick! There was also sour cream because it looks gross and it tastes like sour chunks of liquid crap. So I am actually feel like I'm about to throw up. But of course, who could forget at number one on Draven's list, it was cheesy potatoes because they taste like sour cream. God help us all! Well, this is another tough choice. I love both of these guys. One of them plays the drums. One of them plays video games. One of them can be very hyper and get on my nerves and annoy me. The other one lives with me and is named Draven. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, I'm just kidding, Gary. You don't annoy me. Gary is a very weird guy. But in the end, I can only pick one. And though it was difficult, I have decided that the winner of this year's top 10 playoffs is my 12-year-old stepson, Draven. Congratulations, Draven. You are the top 10 champion, and you are the winner of an amazing prize package. However, don't get your hopes up. It's probably not going to be like a gaming system or something that you really want. It'll be more like, uh, you know, a t-shirt. That is pretty darn amazing. That's right, and that'll do it for another episode of the Rockcast. I will now take you out with a little bit more off the new album from In Flames. However, I will be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this is Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like unless it's me. And rock on.
has been Monty's Rockcast. The end.